Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is Law and Sin. Now, here's Bill Almack. Today we start our small groups, and I hope you guys are looking forward to this as much as I am. Uh, this will be a good series, I think. Um, and real quickly, it's going to be a little bit different than some of our other series. Um, I'm going to do the first three weeks, so we're going to be doing Romans 7, 8, and 9. Then we're going to take a week off on May 18th. Pastor Chris is coming. We'll have the installation service for Pastor Chris. And so we won't be any small groups that week. And then the last half of the series, Pastor Chris will be doing um, two chapters a week. So he's will do 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, and 15, the last three weeks of the series. We're not going to cover chapter 16. It's in the books that you'll get. You can cover it on your own if you want. Most of chapter 16 is just Paul saying, tell so-and-so hi, tell so-and-so hi, give a greetings to so-and-so. So we've left that there for your own personal study, but we won't cover that one. It's a little bit different this time. Also this time, our mission project is going to be to bring cans of food uh, or boxes of food to help. You know, we help with, um, we've partnered with First Christian Church in downtown Downey for their food bank. Um, I would love to take, like, a pickup truck full. I mean, full, overflowing, full. Santa's sleigh full. Okay? And it's not that hard, because we've got an extra week. Because we've got May 18. You can bring stuff that week, too. So we got like seven weeks left if you count Celebration Sabbath where we could bring cans of food. Now imagine if everybody in here brought one can a week. Not just the parents, but you got, you know, six kids, bring six cans of food for them too, okay? And I know that may be hard for some of us. We're on tight budgets, but, you know, can of food is like less than a buck, right? Most of us can, can do this. Some of us could afford to bring two or three cans each week for every member in the family. All right? So we're putting the challenge out there. I would love to have to make two trips. Okay? That's the goal. So um, we're going to be doing that. We hope everybody can help us with that, and we're going to have a good time. Before we start diving into Chapter 7, I want to review um, 1 through 6 a little bit because maybe we're a little fuzzy on what happened there. It's been a while since we've done that. You can go back and watch those series. They're on our website, downeychurch.com. You go to the messages page, scroll back to um, October and November last year, and you can watch the messages or listen to the messages. And by the way, I hope all of you know that we're cool. Okay? Our messages are on YouTube. They're on Vimeo, and YouTube ones come with closed captions, so if you've got friends that are hearing impaired or, you know, you want to watch it work, nobody's doing that, you know, you can have the closed captions. There's transcripts on there if you want to read the sermons. There's audio if you want to listen to it. We're on podcast sites. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Anchor FM. Um, 
Overcast. It was like eight different podcast sites we're on. So you can find our stuff and listen to it in a multitude of different ways. So I encourage you to do that. All right. But let's review what happened in the first six chapters. So Paul writes his letter to the the church in Rome, right? And Paul only wrote letters to churches he started. But Paul's never been to Rome. So he didn't write. This letter is a little different than some of the others. Furthermore, Paul doesn't write letters to churches that Peter started or James started. They kind of stick with their own work. So we've got this church in Rome. We don't really know how it started. Probably just started from Christians moving around. And as people moved to Rome and Christians were there, they looked around and said, there's no church. So they started one. Because Paul seems to know a whole bunch of people in the church, as evidenced by chapter 16 when he says, tell all these people hi. So, you know, there's a movement in the people. They're moving, they're coming, they're going. Not unlike today, right? How many of you still live in the house you, you know, you were born in or, you know, you lived in when you were a child? One person. Most of us move. Okay? Most of us move. And so, same thing was happening there. So Paul writes this letter to the, to the church in Rome and it's full of, of information and this is the basic primer of Christianity. And when the people got this, this was new stuff, right? And, man, this was like blowing their minds. So um, we try to remember how, you know, some of this we've heard over and over and over again, and we're like, okay, yeah, whatever, got it. But for a lot of these people, man, this was groundbreaking stuff, stuff they really had to sit down and think about. So in chapter 1, Paul's telling them that he wants to come to Rome and visit them, and he starts telling them that someday God is going to pour out his wrath against sin. And you don't want to be when that happens, right? You want to be on the other side. In chapter 2, he says, but not only are the sinful people going to be judged, but the righteous people are going to be judged. Oh, great. But he says, but there's hope. Because if you keep the law, you'll be okay. There's hope. We can do this. We can keep the law. But it's not just keeping the law. It's being changed by the law. Being inside, being different. Okay, and we're going to talk more about that today. Okay. Then in chapter 3, he talks about faithfulness. Because we have a problem because none of us have kept the law perfectly. And so we're not righteous. And so now there's a big problem. Even though we kept the law, even though we tried, we had a problem. But God is faithful to the promises that God makes. And so through having faith in God and faith that God will be faithful to his promises, there's a way for us. This is good stuff. Like, we should do chapters 1 through 6 again. (laughs) Okay? Uh, Chapter 4, Paul kind of shares an example of Abraham and his faith and how Abraham was justified by his faith and and how we could do those same kinds of things. Chapter 5, he's talking about peace and hope and how um, once we realize that we can have salvation through the faith, that brings us peace and hope. 
We don't have to worry anymore. See, because we've been trying to keep the law out of fear. And there wasn't a lot of peace and hope where fear is. Okay? In chapter 6, Paul tells us that we should be dead to sin so that we can be alive in Christ. And this was mind-blowing information. Right? This was something that they were really having to struggle with how to, how to deal with that. And we used to be slaves to sin because we couldn't stop sinning even if we wanted to. We were a slave to it. And just like that, we should switch over and become slaves to obedience and set up a new pattern of behavior where we just obey so much that we just can't stop obeying. Okay? So that's where we kind of left off in chapter 6. And man, that's the briefest overview ever of Romans. Um, I have left stuff out. So if you're interested in that, go, go read that. Okay, and today we're going to be starting back in with Romans chapter 7. We're talking about law and sin. And he starts out at the top. I hope you've got out your Bible and your sermon notes as we go through this. Um, he starts out at the top of chapter 7, giving the example of a marriage. And if a woman is married to a husband... She can't go out with other guys or get married again to somebody else because that's adultery. We have laws against that. So you're held by the law. But if the husband dies, then you're free to date somebody else and get married again, right? When the husband died, you're free from the law. We understand this, right? Okay? Um, and, but this is the example he uses. So he goes on then in, in verse 4, and he says, So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might, be, be, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. See? This woman had a husband, and she belonged to him. Maybe he was a goober, and he was a bad husband, right? That happens, right? Especially back in, in this time, because there was, you know, women were sometimes not much more than property. Not always, but sometimes. And, and you could have a bad husband, and he could treat you poorly. But you were stuck with him because of the law. You were married. And the only way to get out of that was for him to die. And I don't think you're allowed to kill him to get out of it, right? So, um, you know, there was problems there, right? He says, that's the way sin is. It's a bad husband. And you're stuck to that bad husband. But if you die to that through the body of Christ, then you can belong to somebody else then you can get a better husband. Makes sense, right? We, we understand this, okay? And, you know, it's, it's one of those things of, of we, we look at other people's relationships sometimes, right? And everybody wants to have the good marriage, Right? Everybody wants to be that old couple that still holds hands and, you know, they're great, right? 
Nobody wants to be that couple that's throwing things at each other, screaming at the top of their lungs, you know, and the police are getting called out for disturbances, right? That, that's, that's not the marriage anybody wants to have. I just saw recently on Facebook, there was a couple that had been married, I think, 70 years. 70 years. They died within hours of each other in the hospital. That's what we say. Oh, how sweet. That's what I want. This is great, right? And that's what Paul's saying. You can have that kind of relationship if you get rid of the bad husband and you get the good husband. Right? This is something we want. This is desirable. This is where we should go. Verses 5 and 6, he kind of reiterates that. And he's talking about how we can't stop sinning even if we want to. Right? You ever had that happen? Yes, you have. Because every January 1st, we make up a bunch of stuff we want to quit doing. And we make it to like January 3rd. And then you're doing it again. Why? Because you can't stop. You are a slave to what's going on. You want to stop. You want to stop cussing or stop lying or stop whatever it is. But you can't. Because you're a slave to sin. And sometimes we've obeyed the law out of fear We didn't want to have God's wrath poured out on us. We try being good, but it it just doesn't work very well. Fear is a great motivator for about five minutes, and then you're not afraid anymore, and then it doesn't work. So Paul's talking about this, and he says, now some people might want to twist that, and they might want to say, well, if the law is causing me to sin, well, don't tell me the law. And I'll, I'll just try to be good. And I'll try to be moral, whatever that means. I got the, I got the big ones. I won't kill anybody. Right? And, and then I won't be responsible. Because the law is causing problems. And Paul answers that in verse 7. He says, What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Now this is a very interesting example. He uses one of the commandments, the tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet. But that commandment is fundamentally different than the other nine. Because the other nine commandments are all actions. Don't kill people. Don't steal their stuff. Be kind to your parents. Remember the Sabbath day. Don't cuss. It's all actions. And the last one is, don't even think about it. Sounds like your dad, doesn't it? In this story Celine told, as it was my parents. Don't even think about it. Right? And so Paul says, I wouldn't have known that a thought was a sin except that the law told me. 
I needed the law to tell me what sin is. Because otherwise I don't know. I wouldn't know that that was a sin. You ever wanted to do something just because somebody tells you no? Just about all of us, right? You tell me no. I was like, oh yeah, watch this. Right? When you were maybe a young person and maybe your parents told you, I don't really approve of the person you're dating. You know, they're not good for you. You should stay away from them. What was your response? We're getting married. (laughs) Right? St. Augustine tells a great story of one time he went and stole fruit with some of his friends and he didn't even want to eat the fruit. He just wanted to do it because somebody said, you're not supposed to do that. Right? And we've all been there and done that. I remember years and years ago, um, the water company sent us a letter that the water was going to be off on a certain day because they were working on the water mains. Get water ready and get some buckets filled up with water so you can flush the toilets and have some water to drink because the water is going to be off all day. So Linda and I, we got ready, got the buckets ready and the water was ready. And, you know, the water was supposed to go off. And I don't remember what time it was, 8 o'clock in the morning, whatever. The water, you know, you go check and the water's off. All right. Well, we're set. We got water. Sit down on the couch, you know, watching TV or something. By like 8.15, I'm sure that we've been hiking through the Sahara Desert. I am parched. I need water. I need a shower. I should be washing the car. There's clothes that need to be washed. I stand in the kitchen looking at dishes we haven't used in a while on the top shelf. Going, those need to be washed. I should wash those. Right? Because somebody said you don't have any water. So I wanted water. As soon as the water came back on, those dishes look fine. I don't need to be washed. Because when somebody tells you you can't do it, here, hold my remote, watch this. Right? And Paul says, you know, sometimes that's where we end up. Right? That's where we end up. Verses uh, 9 through 11. He says, once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin did what? Sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. See, the commandment was meant to bring life. If you follow these commandments, if you can perfectly keep this law, you can go to heaven. And that's truth. But we just haven't been able to do it. I was talking about this with somebody else. I know how to dunk a basketball. Jump really high, put the ball in the hoop. I can't do it. But I know how to do it. Right? I know how to play the drums. You get that stick and whack on them. And if you ever put me at the drum set, it sounds horrible. Okay? I don't know how to play the piano. I need David for that. Push the keys. 
That's, that's all I know. <laughs> right? We know what we're supposed to do, but we can't do it. And this word opportunity that he uses here, that was kind of a, a word that would have had military connotation. When the military were lined up, getting ready to fight each other, they looked for weaknesses in each other's lines. How can we attack? How can we exploit their weakness and get in? And that's the word opportunity is used here. How can sin find a weakness and get in? Okay, it's a very... Uh, picturesque wording that he uses um, from that point of view. How do we get in? How do we make things um, get in? And sin does that. It gets in and twists things, right? Have you ever noticed you've gone to a movie or something, you watch a movie, you say, that was a pretty good movie, except, you know, that, that one thing uh, just twists a little bit. The next movie just twists a little bit more. And a little bit more. Pretty soon you end up way over here. You say, how do we get over there? It was one little twist at a time. Verse 12, Paul says, So then, the law is holy, the commandment is holy, righteous and good. See, the law is holy because the law comes from who? God. God is holy. Only holy things come from God. The law comes from God. The law is holy. End of discussion. Right? Well, if the law is holy, then what's the problem? See, because sin is looking for that exploit, and it's getting in there, and it's trying to mix a little bit of bad in with the good and just twist it a little bit, right? This happened to the Jewish community when they looked at the law and it said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, don't do any work. Hmm, what's work? And so they start figuring out what work means. And if you do this, it's work. And if you don't do that, it's not work. And on and on they went until they had 10,000 rules and nobody could keep them all anymore. They didn't try to mess it up. That's what sin does. It just gets in and slowly but surely messes everything up. And then verses 14 through 25, Paul gives us kind of a personal example. And we've often wondered what he's talking about because he, he doesn't really specify. And some people think he's talking about the time before he became a Christian when he was a Pharisee and he was persecuting Christians. Other people said, you know, Paul talks about having a thorn in his side, something that he struggled with. We don't know what it was, and it really doesn't matter. We're just kind of nosy. But um, he, he gives us this personal example here. So in verse 15, he says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. You ever been there? I didn't mean to eat the whole bag of cookies. It just happened. I didn't mean to yell at her. It just happened. I didn't mean to drop the doll out the window. It just happened. Right? Then going on in verses um, 19 to 20, he says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. Right? This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, 
then it's no longer I who do it. But it's the sin living in me that does it. Right? If I'm doing something and I don't want to do it, where's it coming from? Sin. Sin is making me do it. You are a slave to sin. Right? You are a slave. We can't stop even if we wanted to. That's the definition of being a slave. You have to do it. Verse 21, he says, Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. It just won't go away. And if Paul left it there, it'd be pretty ugly. Not much hope for us. But in verse 25, he says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's hope. And next week we're going to talk about that. So you all got to come back. Next week it's get a life. Because living a life under the law and full of sin is no way to live. No way to live at all. And so chapter 8, Paul's going to tell us how to get a life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these words from Paul, Lord, that came from you. They are beautiful words that help us understand why we do the things we don't want to do. And furthermore, help us understand how to, how to be found and justified by our faith through you. Lord, it's a message the world needs to hear. Help us to be the kind of people that share this with the people that we know and we love, people we see at work and our neighbors and our family, Lord. Because this is truly a message that we need. Thank you so much, Lord, for giving us this. And help us to be the kind of people that not only share that message, but we are actively trying as best we can to follow the law, to be changed, and not to be a slave to sin, but be a slave to righteousness. Be with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.